Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. I think it's important that we go back over this so-called threat because there is a story here. There's actually multiple stories about what's happening on a world stage and then how about how people utilize the world stage to try and move their political desires. And instilling fear to move your politics is among some of the most evil things that can be done. One needs to be engaged with their politics about how, in, in a way that creates a better life. That's what politics is supposed to do. Less government in your life, more you in your life. That's how it's supposed to work. And what we get instead, far too often, is people who want to tell us that their politics are the only way and the other person's politics are going to kill you. This is the great evil behind Trump is a threat to democracy. No, he's not. But keeping him off the ballot in Colorado is. But the powers that be, they don't care that they keep him off the the ballot in Colorado. They favor that. The last thing they want is for you to have a say in who you vote for. Well, is that what happened with this threat, as Representative Mike Turner put it? This uh, major threat that he needs Joe Biden to declassify right away. Was this nothing more than Representative Turner trying to push Congress into passing legislation that would fund Ukraine over through fear mongering? When you can't convince people, scare them. There is something ugly here. But the other side of this is the recognition that a threat exists. And maybe Russia isn't this sweet little country just trying to live their lives after all. I don't know if I said hello, Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, that's the name of of the show. Noah Rothman joins me. He is from National Review. Find all his work at nationalreview.com. He covers a tremendous amount of these foreign policy uh, conversations. And the threat itself that the House Intelligence Committee uh, has has made available to all members of Congress this classified information. People were going to the skiffs, the special compartmentalized uh, information facilities to read uh, the the information. This is a threat that's happening, and Joe Biden needs to uh, uh, declassify the information so Congress can speak to allies and start working on something to deal with this threat. That's incredibly uh, powerful language, true or false. Are you talking to me? I am talking to you, Noah Rothman. Oh, I didn't know if I was introduced. Hi, Tony. Um, that is absolutely powerful language. Uh, I think it's proportionate to what we understand the threat to be. All of us are kind of working off leaks, so we don't know really what we're talking about. It's very speculative. But the leaks that I've seen that seem credible involve the existence of a nuclear-powered orbital vehicle designed for anti-satellite missions. Um, So you could say that that's simply a deterrent in the outset of hostilities that would be utilized to knock out American uh, communications, reconnaissance, and navigation satellites, which is a a very big deal. Um, But 
Is it necessarily a first strike weapon? Could be. We don't know. That's the nature of the threat that they have to detail and itemize. And because this has likely been the case for some time that this vehicle has been in orbit, the question arises, why is it now? Why is it being released now? And I think the most uh, suspicious uh, explanation for that behavior is the one you laid out at the, the outset. And that would be it's being laid out now because they want to use it as a pressure point to get Speaker Mike Johnson to bring the Senate aid bill to a vote in the House. That's the argument. That is the suspicion. Hard to confirm. But if there's a coincidence here between the timing of that release and the fact that this bill, the Senate bill has stalled in the House, uh, it does seem hard to decouple them. I would say, however, that I take issue a little bit with your reframing of the debate, because in part it demonstrates exactly the problem you outlined. The problem you outlined, which I take no issue with, is the idea that your selective, the selective release of selective presentment, presentation of facts to the public designed to advance a political agenda is duplicitous in a particular way. Um, but at the same time, for example, and, and it's unfair to frame that in one way and not the other. So at the outset, you said, well, let's say, let's take the Donald Trump example. Donald Trump isn't a threat to democracy, but getting him off the ballot in Colorado is. And I happen to agree that pushing him off the ballot in Colorado is constitutionally dubious. And if it were to stand, we'd essentially have an election in which different states were voting on different candidates. The last time we did that was 1860. We know how that went. It is a major threat to democracy, what Colorado did. At the same time, those who do say that he is a threat to democracy are basing that on the fact that he tried to rewrite the, Consti- the 12th Amendment to the Constitution on the fly. It's not as though they have no foundation for that assessment. And it doesn't pass a Turing test to say that they don't. So let's take that to Mike Turner. If Mike Turner is selectively releasing this information only to light a fire under Republicans in the House to get this through, to get this bill passed, which, by the way, most of it replenishes America's depleted ordinance stocks, extremely valuable, and there is no plan B then he's at liberty to do that. I am I am absolutely unconvinced by the insurgents in the House who are clutching their pearls and rending their garments over this assault on the decorum of the body. How dare you? You observe no decorum on your own. You observe no compunction about rewriting the rules on the fly and then creating pressure on your fellow members in conservative media outlets to get your agenda passed. How dare you assume that that is your proclivity alone and no one else can engage in your tactics? These are the same tactics you pioneered being used against you. That's what you resent. You're at liberty to resent it, but you're not at liberty to rewrite the history of your own action. Now let's fight. I figure why not. Talking to Noah Rothman of National Review. Find his work at nationalreview.com. His book, The Rise of the New Puritans, Fighting Back Against Progressives' War on Fun, available at amazon.com, wherever fine books are sold. If you want in right now, to put forth a piece of legislation that said, here's $50 billion. We're going to use this money to ensure that America has all the bullets it needs. It would pass the House with every Republican vote. So when we discuss aid for Ukraine, we cannot now frame it as, well, this is actually good for us. That is how Representative Jason Crow tried to frame uh, this debate, that this is actually a jobs program. And a lot of this money is going towards creating missiles for for Israel and, and getting this for Ukraine. And that's jobs in the United States. This is not a jobs program. And I think it is ugly 
to frame it as such. But if Representative Turner wants to engage in a conversation about the threat of Russia, he is more than qualified and capable and able to do so. But to put out a post on X that is cryptic as the day is long to try and engage fear, that is ugly. I don't disagree with that. I think it is a hard-nosed, sharp-elbowed tactic designed to light a fire under his fellow members. And look, if this bill came to the floor today, it would pass with over 300 votes. The majority of the Republican conference is for it. The majority of the minority conferences, caucuses for it. The fact is it's not coming to the vote because they want unanimity among Republican members. And there's a handful of Republican members, I'd say less than 10, who would block this thing. That's why you're not coming up for a vote. 48 billion of the 61 billion do stay in the United States. There is some money for Ukraine to try to keep its doors open, not for pensions and what have you, but about $8 billion to keep the government open. And that's fine with me, because if you're spending a lot of money to try to save Ukraine from being subsumed violently into the Russian Federation, you do kind of want the government to stay open. Uh, but at the same time, 20, you know, $2.6 billion for Taiwan, $1.9 per, uh, billion of which is just replaces the munitions we've already provided to Taiwan. Same with the uh, support for Kyiv. Uh, in fact, the lion's share of the money going to Israel actually does go to Israel. Um, about $5 billion of that is for uh, the replenishment of the missile interceptors. But no Republican has a problem with that because they don't have a problem with any of this. It has everything to do with the politics of Ukraine. And the politics of Ukraine are very weird on the right. But it, has very, but it is detached from the actual discussion of Ukraine as a potential American partner in the post-war environment, and a desire to contain the conflict in Europe uh, in the advance of American interests, keeping the continent free of gigantic hot wars, the largest of which we've seen since 1945 is ongoing right now. Um, so, yeah, I do think that it is perfectly fine for, the, to, for Mike Turner to say Russia is an immediate imminent threat to, to American security. It is. It has been since 1945. This is not new. But the fact is that... And- a lot of members in Congress seem to be need, need to be reminded of that. I don't begrudge him that, that opportunity. And you and I don't disagree about the threat that is 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 Russia. I find uh, any statement regarding um, Russia not being an expansionist power desiring of more conquest to be, you know, that that's laughable in in my view. Uh, it is uh, not acceptable. It is not, I don't believe, hard elbowed uh, what Mike Turner has done here. Uh, I, I believe it's fraudulent. And those and are two different things, by the way. Well, all of us are assuming agreed. Agreed. This is two guys on a bar stool with this conversation. But let us discuss what it is that Russia is desirous of in this idea of expansion, in this idea of conquest, in this idea of do they in their in their foreign policy dealings outside of what we see vis-a-vis Ukraine, do they show a desire to be expansionist? Yes. And they're very open about it. I don't know if you took two hours to watch Tucker Carlson's interview with uh, Vladimir Putin. Very little of it was new if you watched Vladimir Putin's speech at the outset of the second invasion of Ukraine in February of 2022. He spent two hours illustrating the historic Russian claims on Ukrainian territory and Polish territory and the Baltic states, and up to and including the defense of the Molotov-Ribbentrop Pact with Nazi Germany. Which in which uh, which paved the way for Moscow to invade eastern Poland and the Baltic states and uh, incorporate them into the Soviet Union proper, not the Warsaw Pact, which came later into the Soviet Union. Um, that was 
a, a historic reclamation of ancient Russian claims on these territories dating back to Rurik the Great and Catherine and all this. Uh, and they're essentially demonstrating that they really do mean it with their actions. In 2014, for example, uh, Moscow engaged, did this really bold cross-border invasion into Estonia. They used radar jamming technology that covered their, their, uh, their movements with smoke grenades. They crossed the border. They captured a border guard. They took him back to Moscow and put him on trial. Uh, it, was, it was an invasion, a small invasion, but an invasion nonetheless, demonstrating the Obama administration looked right past it. They didn't want to acknowledge what they were looking at. Um, but it was demonstrative of their claim on Ukrainian territory. And the claim on Ukrainian territory is evinced in Vladimir Putin's contention that the Russian diaspora, the Russian-speaking peoples abroad, belong to, be, belong to Russia. They deserve to be subsumed back into the Russian sphere. He's laid that out for Tucker. He's laid that out in his actions. And it is Russian grand strategy to break the NATO alliance, not by a giant fold-a-gap-style invasion. They don't have that capability. But what they do have is the capability to menace and threaten, say, Estonia, say Tallinn, and present that facts on the ground to NATO and say, listen, this part of Estonia is ours now. Do you really want to risk nuclear war for tiny little Tallinn, for little bitty Estonia? Would you really die for Danzig? This is... This is the history that Vladimir Putin is marinating in. These are the conditions he's establishing and will present to NATO in a very short period, according to the Danish uh, defense minister, who says, according to new information, not our assessment in 2023, but it is our assessment now, that in three to five years, Moscow will challenge the alliance militarily. That's on the plate. That's on the table. We have to acknowledge it and meet that threat, or we will face that threat unprepared for it, and we might back down. And that would be terrible for American security in the world. Talking to Noah Rothman of National Review, uh, his latest book, The Rise of the New Puritans, Fighting Back Against the Progressives' War on Fun, available at Amazon.com, wherever fine books are sold. Uh, The question that this leads to is, are we as as a nation prepared for this? And this is not a conversation of whether or not we've got the military man, uh, fighting power. We've got the guns, we've got the tanks, we've got the missiles. We may or may not have the hypersonics. Uh, that that's a, a separate conversation. But it really comes down to a will. Do we have the fighting, the leadership of a fighting force that's going to actually be willing to lead? What is your assessment there? Well, that's really an open question, isn't it? Um, Sadly, yes. I I don't see the will on the part of the loudest elements of our politics. The most prominent members of the political discussion who dominate our media um, do not have that will. Indeed, they, they would shrink from America's obligations abroad. I don't think that's true of the broader populace. Uh, who are badly underrepresented in our national political conversation. I think they recognize that uh, Russia is not our friend, that Moscow has designs on Europe, uh, that China has designs on the South China Sea, and that they need to be deterred through force. And if force the deterrence breaks down, it needs to be restored through force. I don't think that's a controversial position for much of the country. But our thought leaders... Our loudest voices in the conversation do not share that outlook. And they have the power of persuasion because they have access to all the microphones. So I would be very hesitant to say that we will absolutely meet that threat. And doing things like encouraging Moscow to test the tensile strength of the alliance by saying, hey, look, maybe we will, maybe we won't. I think that's a risky proposition because he might take me up on it. 
Noah Rothman, find his work at nationalreview.com. Noah C. Rothman on X. Find him there as well. I appreciate you taking the time. I've got more. I'm Tony Katz. Markets are up. Maybe it makes sense. Maybe it makes sense in the light of this report that retail sales fell and fell gigantic. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. What's going on, everybody? Retail sales down 0.8% in January. There was a 0.4% gain in December, or so we were told. The estimate for the month of January was a 0.3 drop. This is much much bigger building materials garden stores were weak miscellaneous stores motor vehicle um uh, parts and retailers seeing a downward trend could have something to do with some outrageously cold weather that came through or it could have something to do with that higher inflation higher prices people spent whatever they were going to spend for the holidays and now they're done there is no more cash to spend Yet, as I say this, the Dow is right now up 242. NASDAQ is up 29. Shake Shack, they're seeing their stock go up 20% on a strong fourth quarter profit. And they've got a great outlook for 2024. So people aren't buying goods, but they're still buying themselves a $14 burger. I got nothing against Shake Shack. I think Shake Shack should be a sponsor for the love of God. But that's an interesting conversation about where people see the value of their dollar. They see it in lunch. I I, I sometimes don't understand how people spend their money. When I see people who I I know are, are getting paid hourly, and there's nothing wrong with getting paid hourly, and I see them go to Starbucks twice a day, I don't, I don't, I don't know what's happening here. I don't know how you afford to, I don't know what the point of the working was. You're working for coffee. You could pay somebody in coffee. Bring your coffee from home. Get yourself a small coffee pot, not a Keurig. Oh, there's nothing wrong with it, really. Get yourself a coffee pot. Make your own coffee. Save the $4 per times two, times five, times four, times 12. That's twice a day, five days a week, four weeks a month, 12 months a year. See how much money that is that you get to keep and take all of that money and invest it right now. Right now. Put it into your Roth 401k. Boom. Just do that. Interesting that Shake Shack should be doing so well. But when you take a look at the market being up, you're like, why, why is that? Why, why, why in this, with this sales data, would it be up? Well, maybe if this a conversation of we want to, uh, to have this economy cooling, maybe people buying less as economy cooling is something better. Whole thing is messed up, messed up and weird. Also, Japan is no longer the the world's third largest economy. They're fourth because they're in a recession. So, by the way, is the United Kingdom. One has to assume it will come for us. Or maybe we'll always avoid it. And people can crow about that. 
But as long as people are spending more in a supermarket than they want to or they can afford to, it'll be a problem. I'm Tony Katz. Fonnie Willis story is nuts. This is It's nuts. I can't even describe it. So let me I, I didn't know this was going on and to this extent. This is the evidentiary hearing on the misconduct allegations by Fonnie Willis, the Fulton County District Attorney, Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. What's going on, everybody? Find everything at TonyKatz.com. And and so she is the one bringing the charges, utilizing RICO, a racketeering predicate against Donald Trump and a host of others. They work together to fix an election, whatever the case may be, at least however it's described. And they brought all these people together who would turn on Trump, who would do this, who would do that. By the way, it's not it's not your radio. It's it's me. It's a cold. It's in the throat. It's in the voice. It'll go away in a day. And what we find is that it turns out that that Fonnie Willis hired her lover, Nathan Wade, to be the prosecutor. And absolutely paying him more than anybody else. So He's getting these financial favors, never mind a little bit of favor on the side. I don't know. I don't know. Do I have to uh, better describe what I mean by favor on the side? I don't think I need to describe anything more than that. Do I? I are, you, are you sure? Yes! 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 Uh, we're talking about a favor on the side. That's what we're talking about here. This guy was married. And he was still getting. Yes! 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 Just so we understand each other. They were going on vacations together. But fascinatingly enough, when going on vacations, the, 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 the lover, Nathan Wade, paid for it with his business credit card. And Fonnie Willis reimbursed him with cash. Who in the world believes this? She reimbursed you with cash? Nah. Let's try it differently. She paid you all this money. This was her getting a kickback, the vacation that you then wrote off uh, completely, all the taxpayers' dime. This is money laundering. How is it not? I'm not quite sure how it's not. Now, maybe there's actually another term for it that the legal people could explain to me. Meanwhile, listen. Okay, and let's just talk about that travel. Okay. Um, The first trip is Belize in March 2023. Is that a trip that you took with Miss Willis? Are you asking? 
Did you take a trip with Miss Willis in 2023 to, to Belize? Belize? I did. Did you take a trip to California with Miss Willis in 2023? I did. Did you pay for those trips on that credit card? I used the credit card to book the, the travel, but un understand. She that, paid you back cash. Well, let me say this. Let's take the Belize trip, for example, since okay. you started there. That was a birthday gift to me, so I paid nothing for that trip. Zero. Okay. So the, the charges that are on your card, she gave you cash for? She did. Okay. So all of the charges... Excuse me, you're going to let the witness finish answering the question. Oh, did you have more? I did. Okay. Um, I, I wanted to get into the, the charges on the, the car because so traveling with her um, is, is, a, is a task. You can probably imagine the attention that, that happens. So for safety reasons, um, she would limit her transactions um i mean imagine trying to walk through an airport or sit at a restaurant or do anything um so why is, is she so famous that she can't walk through an airport with uh without being mobbed oh funny willis we, we, we have to talk to you. We need a picture with you. You're just so great. You're just so wonderful. Was that Taylor Swift over there? Oh, forget her. She's a nobody. Fonnie Willis is here. Who in the world is mobbing Fonnie Willis? Who? It's a task. We didn't tell you to date her. We didn't tell you to make her your lover. I just love saying it that way. I don't know why. There was no, there was no attempt to... Con conceal is a credit card. Everything is here. So, and, and that's not what I asked. Okay. Um, what I asked was the charges for Belize in March 2023 on that credit card. Those are things you purchased to go with Miss with Miss Willis to Belize. Those are those are things that we booked with my card that yes. she paid. Yes. Yes. So those show up on your credit card. They do. And you're saying that she paid you cash to reimburse you for all of that. She did. And she paid you cash for both of your portions or just hers? Both. Okay. So that trip, Belize, just Belize, she paid you for everything on Belize? The entire trip. Okay. So the food, tattoo parlor, all that stuff, she paid for? I'm going to... I'm sorry, maybe the question... There was no there, there was no tattoo parlor in Belize. The charges there's a there's a tattoo parlor on the charges. I, I'm not getting into what it was for. I'm just asking if everything that's on that card related to Belize, she paid you back for. She paid for you, yes, Okay. Okay. Two things. First of all, someone's gonna have to have a photo of the tattoo. Should we put? Are we placing bets on, on on where it is? Are we placing bets on where the tattoo is? Producer Carl, would like would you like to place your bet on where the tattoo is and on whom? I can't say it on the radio. Oh, you can say it on the radio. As a matter of fact, <laughs> you might have to. There's a tattoo I, 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 parlor? Son of a gun. This is getting awesome. But look, I I I, I don't have an investigator's mind per se. I I I I not a lawyer. I have no legal training. You paid by credit card. She gave you cash for both of you. 
This is a kickback, right? By the way, what proof do you have that she gave you cash? How does one prove that she gave you cash? You're on the stand saying this? Oh, oh my. I'm not the only person who's like, yeah, none of this looks good for Fonnie Willis or her lover. Even MSNBC is like, um, uh, yeah, this is, she's done. You're watching MSNBC's special coverage of the trials of Donald Trump. You were just listening to a hearing in Fulton County, Georgia, this hearing to determine whether DA Fonnie Willis and lead prosecutor Nathan Wade should be disqualified. On the stand just now, Robin Yerty, she managed public relations at the DA's office. And joining us now, Charles Coleman, civil rights attorney, Caroline Polisi, federal and white-collar defense attorney uh, and uh, senior FBI official, and, of course, the former U.S. attorney, Chuck Rosenberg, who's going to be with us in just a, a minute. But, Caroline, I just we've all been watching this, and it's it's so legalistic-centric and yet so important and fascinating. Right. Don't let the legalese fool you. This is epic. This is monumental. If things are going in the direction we think, uh, Fonnie Willis, lied to the court, it's game over for her. She will be disqualified. Um, if they had a relationship prior to when they uh, represented to, to the court, it's it's a huge deal. I, I can't overstate it. And do you feel the same way, Charles, based on the testimony of what we just heard and we just learned Nathan Wade, who is the special prosecutor in this case, walked in the courtroom. He is being sworn in to testify now about this issue and his relationship. So that was that was their clip. Yes, it's over. Yes, the relationship started earlier. Holy. You see, but uh, but they're having the conversation about whether or not she gets to continue uh, in this case against uh, uh, President Trump. I, I'm not even thinking about that. I'm, I'm well past that. I want to know when she gets disbarred. Hold on. Hold on. I, I, you have a better legal mind than I do. You've seen way more episodes of Law & Order. Here's, here's the question. Work with me on this. Court is in session. Money went to trips. To Belize, we know this. We just heard the testimony. Belize in 2023, where Nathan Wade, the prosecutor, the lover of Fonnie Willis, who we know is getting paid more than what other prosecutors were offered per hour, he paid for the trip on his credit card and is now making the claim that he is getting paid cash by Fonnie Willis for everything, including the tattoo parlor. And yet, there are no receipts for that. How is that not some level of kickback for Fonnie Willis? It goes on his credit card so nobody could could bring it back to her. And the second he gets on the stand, of course he throws her under the bus. Now it's a question of whether or not the actual cash got dispersed. Now the follow-up, where'd the cash come from? Are we going to find out that there are expenses 
to uh, the district attorney of Fulton County and these expenses. And why they come out of the petty cash, a little bit of here, a little bit of there. Next thing you know, Belize, here we come. Bring the coconut oil. I have no idea if you bring coconut oil to Belize, but one has to assume. Forget whether or not they're going to be on the case. They're not going to be on the case. I want to know if there's the possibility of someone getting disbarred. That's the only thing I want to know. This is my official court music, by the way. That's actually people's court. I swear to you, if that wasn't for the people's court, it would have been used for a very, very B-rated porn. This is nuts. I wasn't expecting this today. I forgot even the trial was happening. Oh, my. They, they really uh, got the best and the brightest. But if you want the very best, the very best is to hear Fonnie Willis in her own words, the Fulton County District Attorney about why people should vote for her. This is her, in her own words, here's why people should vote for me. Because they deserve a DA that won't have sex with his employees. Because they deserve a DA that won't put money in their own pocket when it should go to benefit children. Because we deserve better. That's that's really her? Was that, is that 2000... Was that 2021 she said that? I forget when she said that. Oh, uh, 2020. That was in February of 2020. Because they deserve a DA that won't have sex with his employees. Because they deserve a DA that won't put money in their own pocket when it should go to benefit children. Because we deserve better. That's from the Atlanta Voice. Okay. Well, this is going to be fun. This is Tony Katz today. became heated, you'll remember, responding to the special counsel's assertion that he could not remember within several years when his son Bo died. Last week, the president criticized her for asking him about it. How in the hell dare he raise that? Frankly, when I was asked the question, I thought to myself, it wasn't any of their damn business. But tonight, NBC News has learned that her never asked that question, according to two people familiar with the interview last fall. They say it was the president, not her or his team, who first introduced Bo Biden's death. The sources say the president got the date, May 30th, correct, but not the year. There's something very important in this. Uh, never mind the fact that this administration is is proactive in trying to defend a guy who is not altogether, not all there, and can't be president and should be removed from office today, yesterday, the day before. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, good to be with you. They want to tell us all, and I'll get into it, about how smart he is and how uh, adept he is and how uh, sharp he is. Let's go back to what we now know and what he said. That the special counsel, Robert Hur, 
H-U-R is the last name, who said that, yes, Joe Biden willfully uh, kept classified information, classified documents, willfully kept them. We would put him on the stand, but he's an elderly man with poor memory, and uh, we're not going to be able to get anywhere with, with, with charging him. And he couldn't remember dates when he was vice president, and he couldn't remember the year uh, that, that his son died. He couldn't remember within years. Remember now, now go back to how Joe Biden states this in his press conference. How in the hell dare he raise that? Frankly, when I was asked the question, I thought to myself, it wasn't any of their damn business. Now, certainly the question could have been asked, when did he die? But the special counsel didn't even bring it up? How dare it be any of his business? You brought up your son, Bo Biden, who died of brain cancer. Did not die in Iraq. Did not die because of his military service. He got brain cancer, and it's awful. And it's very clear that you, sir, are not over it. That is very obvious. They didn't bring it up. You did. And now you seem to be getting upset that you couldn't remember something that you brought up. I think this goes to this idea of whether or not he was being honest with us during his press conference. How dare they ask when he he passed? You brought up the subject to begin with. But wait till you hear all the ways that Democrats are trying to tell you that uh, he's, he's sharp and with it. Well, members of Congress, uh, you, you, you've got members of the media. It's, it's all the same talking point. It's stunning. Find everything at TonyCats.com. This is Tony Katz today.